1: podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out over at CheeseHeadTV.com. I am Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co host, just one of them tonight, Andrew Mertig. It's a Friday show. Uh, we're excited to be back with you guys post draft. Uh, how are you doing, Andrew?
2: Doing really well. It's it's crazy to me that the draft was a week ago. It feels like it was a month ago, oh. and we know who's on the Packers roster, right? We got to break down the the day one Packer picks last week, and I got to do the YouTube show on Friday as well. So I feel like people have heard a lot of what I what I think about the prospects. But tonight we get to talk about two, um, one that I I barely touched on uh, on last saturday's youtube (laughs) version of the show and then also one that i haven't talked about at all Um,
1: and i think that's gonna be really interesting it's gonna be a lot of fun and you have a little bit more you sound great but you have a little bit more of an echo to you right now uh is there a reason for that (laughs) i am in a completely empty condo uh because
2: all of my stuff has been shipped to california so uh (laughs) It's going to be an interesting week for sure. And I'm really hoping to be back on next week's show because uh, hopefully the internet's set up when I get there.
1: That sounds great. And I'm just going to throw Andrew under the bus right now. He is currently holding his snowball microphone because he I does not... I don't even not, have a chair to sit on. He doesn't show. even have a chair. So he's standing up literally for you, the listeners. So uh, hats off to Andrew. But we are one week removed from that 2022 NFL draft. And the Packaday team has been working... All the way through this Packers draft class to give you a deep dive into each and every one of these prospects. And so today is all about a couple of players that the Packers took in the third and fourth round. At 92, the Packers took offensive lineman Sean Ryan from UCLA. At 132, their first of two selections in the fourth round, they selected wide receiver Romeo Dubs out of Nevada and we get to take a deep dive into both of these guys and hopefully get you guys pretty excited about what they may bring to your green bay packers so let's jump in let's get started with mr sean ryan
2: yeah i didn't even realize until right now where we got we got you know two west coast players this is like classic packers west coast bias yeah (laughs) uh in action here yeah, absolutely. So uh, Sean Ryan was the left tackle at UCLA. He's a guard at the next level, in my opinion, because of his lack of length. Really, really smart player who passes off different games that defense linemen are going to run in front of him really well. Uh, he has enough anchor to really sit to sit a lot of rushers down. He'll create some movement in the run game. I think he's a pretty fluid mover, and I really like that element at the next level. So, you know, you'll talk about the testing a little bit. I I think that shows up on tape for sure. Uh, Probably, you know, he's probably better against the pass early because playing in the spread at UCLA. But I think more advanced blocking techniques may take a little period of adjustment. But overall, I think this is a prospect that has a lot of potential uh, to be a really good impact player right away.
1: Yeah, and Ryan's background is really, really interesting. Growing up, he was all about baseball and rugby. Uh, He really didn't start playing football until high school, but was that multi-sport athlete before football became his game. And it's interesting, he could have pursued, actually, the U.S. Olympic rugby team, but he chose not to do that. That was kind of something that was open to him. Uh, But he chose a different path, and he actually set records in high school for discus and shot put. Uh, Ryan talks about that rugby background and really gives it credit for what allowed him to get to where he is as a football player and the success that he's found at offensive line. Uh, But there's really no getting around the fact that Ryan is a special athlete. right? His RAS is 8.17. If you run him as a tackle, but if if he's that guard that we're talking about, he's in that 9.35 area. So uh, vertical jump of 33 and a half inches was the best of any offensive lineman at the combine. So some pretty impressive numbers all around. It was really fun on Twitter today. I saw Andy Herman throw out a comparison of Josh Sitton and the comparison, you know, with those measurables, the RAS. So I mean, that's a fun one to get excited about when you start talking about someone like Josh Sitton.
2: Yeah, and I was actually just about to bring that up. So so good call <laughs> on that. The the difference between the two really, if you look at their athletic measurements, was seven bench reps. Uh that Justin had like twenty-eight and Ryan yep. had twenty one. So, you know, I, I think I think the play power shows up on tape enough, right? But you don't think of this guy as a classic mauler. Uh he's he's more in that like move. Um, I, I hate I hate the term finesse because he's not a f- finesse player, and really right, no offensive right. lineman is a finesse player. Um, but he he uses his movement skills and leverage a little bit more than just raw power. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know I, I have heard, right? Like just stick him at guard, don't make him cross train. Just you know give him the opportunity to win uh, one of those those starting guard spots. But It's always my opinion that you have to give a player a shot at tackle if they have that base skill set and let them fail into guard. Mm. And my philosophy comes from David Bakhtiari because leading up to the draft, everybody said, this guy's a guard. You know, don't take him early. He's a guard. And obviously, you know, he has shown that he is one of the best (laughs) tackles in football when he's healthy. So um, I I always like, you know, at least giving players that opportunity. Um, Let's just hope the Packers third round curse is over because I think Ryan has a chance to be another really good offensive lineman for Green Bay out of those middle
1: rounds. Yeah, it will certainly be interesting. I think, you know, the. I thought the plan was then maybe you stick him at guard and it gives you some more flexibility at tackle. But you're absolutely right. You never know if a player, I mean, you're right, Bakhtiari did just fine. So we'll see what happens with Ryan. It's really interesting. He played tackle for the Bruins, Ryan did. Uh, but most places you have, they see him at guard, right? That's the conversation. And a lot of that has to do with that arm length, right? He has 29-inch arms, uh, but it's a very packed, move to pick a college tackle with the potential of moving them to guard has uh, started 31 games over the last three years for ucla so he loved it and i wish i could remember who i would give them credit but someone noted that packers new offensive quality control coach was with ucla last year as their assistant o-line coach so he you knows really Ryan really well, obviously has that connection and a really big piece of maybe why they felt comfortable making the pick. It's it's a really interesting connection there. So that's Sean Ryan. Ryan will be wearing number 75 for the Packers. Of course, the number you wear is an incredible indicator of the success or lack thereof that's ahead for you. So, uh, Andrew, what do we think of number 75 going to Sean Ryan?
2: Yeah, it's kind of like a good old-fashioned Packers offensive lineman number, right? Like, of course, we all know Brian Balaga. But there was also Ken Rutgers, if you go back to my childhood, uh, who was a phenomenal (laughs) tackle for, for, uh, you know, Brett Favre, and uh, even dating back to Don Mikowski, I think. Um, And, you know, going back to the Lombardi days, Forrest Gregg wore 75. He also wore 79, so I don't really know, like, when he wore (laughs) which number, but I remember him as a 75. Uh, I mean, I'm not that old, Kyle. (laughs) I don't remember him as a 75. I've seen pictures right. of Boris Greg is wearing no 75. No personal
1: experience there. <laughs>
2: However, it's a little weird to see 75 at guard, right? Like, I can't think of a lot of guards wearing 75, but, um, you know, hopefully he makes it a tackle, but if not, you know, may,
1: maybe maybe it's something I can get used to. Yeah, so it's really funny. You say, you say that, that it's really not a guard number. Brandon Scherf was, you know... With You're the Redskins, right. no, no, no. Listen to me though. This is funny because he wore 75, but he was a, it was a tackle that was projected to play guard, right? So he takes 75, plays his years with Washington. He just signed with the Jaguars. You know what number he's wearing? I don't know. 68. He's not wearing 75 anymore. Oh, yeah, anymore, you got to. Right? You got to move to it's the a, guard number, it's right? The good
2: guard number, 68. Right,
1: right. So he's like, yeah, I did the 75 thing, but 68 going to be my home. I would say 66, 67,
2: those are elite guard numbers. Okay. 68 is right up there, though. That's, you know, yeah. I think Mike Wall.
1: Yeah, yeah, there you Maybe go. Maybe Dermonte Dawson. I don't remember. 66, oh, wow, he's 68, whatever. throwing out some Fans here on the Pack of Day podcast. OK, uh, let's get into our second player. I think most fans were expecting the Packers to draft at least two wide receivers in this draft. Of course, they took Christian Watson at the top of the second. But then that second wide receiver wasn't added until here in the fourth round. But Romeo Dubs is a really intriguing prospect and one that I think we're pretty excited to talk about today.
2: Yeah, and we're going to call him Romeo Dubs because every pronunciation guide I can find has him uh, as Dubs. And if we are incorrect, if if he's corrected the Packers media, I know you said you thought in an interview he pronounced it a little bit differently then. Our apologies. That's yep. on me because I I was I was looking through a, a lot of Google records of, of how to pronounce. So we're going to go with dubs. Uh, to me, he's a deep play threat. He He's a threat to run past defensive backs on every play. And he has high pointing ability to make the catches when he does so. Uh, he's explosive with the ball in his hands. If he becomes a more refined route runner, I think he could be an incredibly impact player. I had in my notes. MBS-ish to start career right when when I said how could the Packers replace MBS when he first signed with Kansas City I said there's a few guys in the draft uh Valus Jones and Romeo Dubs and Jones is old and I he ended up in Chicago um he's <laughs> gonna be like a 25 year old rookie uh, so not <laughs> none of the normal Packers thresholds but um th- this is a guy that I had identified as that big tall fast wide receiver and I know a lot of people are throwing out the MVS comps for all sorts of players in the draft but like this is the one that made the most sense to me I do think he can be more dynamic as a post catch threat than MVS. right like MVS saw a lot of yards he'd catch and then like Either he have a clear field uh, or he get tackled pretty quickly. I, I think Dubs can be a little bit more uh, wiggly, if you will. Mm. I, I really like him as a high upside developmental prospect who can do a little bit right away. I ended up with him as wide receiver 14 and my 102nd overall player. So I think the Packers got pretty good, pretty good value in the fourth round.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: It's interesting to reflect a little bit on um, the departure of MVS and all these conversations, right? Because we talked about Christian Watson gets the MVS reference, even though so many people have said totally different player. It's really not fair to even think that that's his trajectory at all. Um so much more creative after the catch, so much more wiggle, just, just not the same player. But we talk about this with Romeo dubs as well, that like, okay, there's an MVS beginning, but there is a higher ceiling than where MVS is probably capped. You probably can see for the Packers, like MVS is a great player, so valuable to the Packers. But when you can see the ceiling on a player, it's probably hard to pay that when you can already dip into the draft and see a little bit higher ceiling on some of these guys coming straight out of school. But like you said, Dubs can absolutely fly. I know the pro day 40 time is four, four, seven, which obviously isn't breaking any records, but he was always getting behind the secondary on tape. It was just a regular thing that you saw. And so with his speed and height combo, he really is a threat to win deep. Like you said, he's going to be a problem on those go routes. And then also working the sideline, I think, I think with some time, like we, you know, acknowledge this is not going to happen day one, but with some time, I think he and Rogers can connect on some of those back shoulders and some comebacks. Uh, I think, I was really impressed with how he caught the ball in traffic as well. Right. So Carson strong forced some throws to him over the middle. A couple of times, he did a really nice job making some tough catches in traffic. Uh, he also has a couple of highlight moments on film where he just completely goes up and gets it above the rim. And, uh, then this is a bonus and this, I think this is a big deal. Um, he may be the special teams contributor that we were looking for in this draft. We knew that that was going to be an emphasis for them to get better, and they did that in a couple different players with a couple different picks. Um, but Dobbs, I said Dobbs, I'm getting it wrong. Dobbs <laughs> absolutely provides that special team influence right he had the sixth highest punt return average in college football in 2021 with 14.2 yards per return so lots to love there a very good returner i'm pretty excited about this pick and what he can bring for this team
2: yeah that that's really interesting i think you know the the potential contribution as a kick returner alone is worth the 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 pick in the fourth round Um, and then you talked about all the upside in the in the receiving game and so i think you know that gives him a, a higher floor than you normally would look at with a prospect like this. So yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's all really interesting to add to the conversation.
1: I was also just going to throw out, you know, I love looking into these player interviews, right? And dubs is a really, really fun interview. He super laid back, super humble. He doesn't really talk a lot, kind of a quiet guy, but teammates and his coaches all say that he's, he's all business, very committed to his craft. But of of course we got to talk about this. Dubs will absolutely be wearing number 87 for the Green Bay Packers. We talked about 75 for Sean Ryan. What are our thoughts on the number selection of 87 here with Dubs?
2: Man, the audacity that he would choose the number of the great Robert Brooks. How (laughs) could he? And I I just want all of you to, how could they give Jordy's number away, folks? To remember, I mean, first of all, of course, Jay Sternberger, but... We need to remember, Robert Brooks wore it first. Jordy Nelson took Robert Brooks' number. And when I was growing up, Robert Brooks was a pretty big deal. Yeah. So, you know, it's okay that p- other people wear the numbers. They can't retire everything, right? We we love a lot of Packers. And, you know, I think Jordy has a chance to... He, he's definitely going to be a Packer Hall of Famer. Um, and so, it, it's, it's fine. You know, I, I personally <laughs> like the... Like, I like wide receivers that wear the single digits and and the the T numbers. I think that looks sleeker. Um, But, you know, if you're going to pick a number in the 80s, I think 87, perfectly fine.
1: Yeah, and I'm totally guilty of leaving Robert Brooks out of this conversation. I tweeted that I think 87 is a great classic number. I referenced Jordy, of course, but I mentioned, you know, Ed McCaffrey and Reggie Wayne. Maybe maybe 87 other than Jordy Nelson, Reggie Wayne is one of the first players that comes to mind for me. But like an idiot, I left Brooks off of this lift, and, and I know that that's just really a really hard one for a lot of people to forgive. But I really do like 87 uh, for to I,
2: I want to I, I tell the listeners a, a really quick Ed McCaffrey story. I have no idea if this is true or not, but uh, they said it. <laughs> I think it was on a Monday Night Football broadcast, or maybe it was... Uh, Maybe it was Summerall and Madden. I don't remember. But they always said that Ed McCaffrey would get shoes that were one or two sizes too small and then cut the big toe part of the shoe off and then just tape over it. Why? And the idea was the shoes were lighter so he could run faster. No. Yeah, no, that was a legit story. Whether or not it was true, I don't know. But they did keep showing his shoes during the game and he had tape over them. So, like what
1: that is crazy. <laughs> is that
2: not the most insane thing you've ever heard of and like how do you not get your foot stepped on
1: oh yeah like there's there's serious things that you're putting up with there to to get through that that's that's commitment to your craft right there i guess I don't you bring know. up ed mccaffrey and that that's where my mind goes also uh the packers had one of his sons max
2: on the yep, roster yep,
1: for yep, a max. cup of coffee hot second yeah that's good yeah his other cool. son is doing okay i guess
2: yeah, well, well if you'd ever stop being hurt and uh,
1: yeah that's true. my fantasy football teams, that'd be great.
2: <laughs> Anyways, uh so we haven't had a chance to really talk about the draft. We we got to talk about the first round last week. And so I just wanted to wrap this show up with a, a really quick overview of, of what our personal thoughts on this year's draft class are. Um, and, you know, you you can go back to last week and check the show out. I was not super thrilled with the Quay Walker, <laughs> um, but I can certainly see why they did it. He has the potential to take that kind of Rashawn Gary trajectory, but at off-ball linebacker. And in three years, we could very well be saying this was an absolute steal, maybe the steal of the first round, right? There's the other possibility, too. It's a risky position, but if you're going to take a risk, I I guess going with that like crazy athlete, that that has value. Um, I did like the Devontae Wyatt pick. I'm shocked that they went out of their age preferences, but he has a chance to be that rare defensive lineman who has an immediate impact in their first year. I think the rest of the draft was just super fun, right? They overpaid to move up to get Watson, but I like what he can provide immediately. And then also that potential for the future as like the rarest of athletes. And you know, with their hit rate on offense alignment, it's easy to expect one of Sean Ryan's act Tom Rashid Walker to be an immediate starter. And you have to figure at least one other is going to be a solid depth piece. So I like what they did there and not even having to invest a really high pick dubs and, Agnabore, who I'm I'm sure I mispronounced that. Uh, haven't looked that one up, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> could be helpful depth pieces. And I think Tariq Carpenter becomes the core special teams dude this team really, really needs. By the way, was it you that mentioned Carpenter pre-draft or was it amazing? Yeah, It yeah, was it you. Yeah. Good call on that
1: one. I, thanks, I, I meant thanks. to give you a shout out on Twitter and I totally forgot. So this is your That's shout cool. out. Hey, it was easy, though. It was a pre-draft visit, so, I mean, (laughs) I just had to go through the pre-draft visit list, so you know how it goes. (laughs) Yeah, they hit on a lot of those. That's absolutely true. Um, I agree with you that it felt like this draft got better and better, really, as far as value is concerned, the further they got into it. My favorite thing about this draft was the way that Green Bay handled picks in the third round and later, honestly, it felt like they just kept letting the players come to them and genuinely took the best players available. They were just drafting good players. And I don't know that we have always seen that, right? This is not a criticism because I love Brian Gutekunst, I think that the Packers draft incredibly well, but Josiah Deguara kind of felt like a predetermined pick a few years back in the third round, and Kamal Martin kind of felt like someone that they identified that they wanted to take ahead of time when it, they were on the board there in the fifth round with with Martin, and it just kind of felt like there were other players that maybe were a better value. But this year, man, Ryan at 92, Zach Tom at 140, total steal there at 140, Kingsley, Eng- <laughs> I was going to get this right and then make fun of you, but now I can't in the in the fifth round. Many people had this guy as an edge rusher in the third round, right? Rasheed Walker in the seventh. People thought he was going in the fourth at the latest, maybe like a third round pick. It just felt like Green Bay got value throughout this draft. And I'm sure that Green Bay didn't come into draft weekend expecting to draft three offensive tackles but the talent just kept falling to them and I love that they just scooped it up. So definitely some unexpected picks early that Anders talked about and we'll see how all that plays out. Uh, But maybe one of Goody's best drafts yet when considering value.
2: Yeah. And you know, I'm always super jealous of the way that the Ravens draft, right? It's just best player available. Put them in the shopping cart checkout. There's no, there's no messing around with like, okay, we need this position. So um, let's, let's take somebody here, even though it's a little bit of a yep. reach. And I felt like, you know, from really the, the second round on, that's what the Packers did. They, they identified, they needed to move up to get Watson. Cause that was their guy. And they went and they did it, even if they had to like, quote unquote, overpay a little bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then, yeah, from the third round on like just value after value after value, every player that I was like. How are they still around? The Packers just moved in and and snatched up. And I like what they did in the seventh, too. I mean, you know, Richard Walker, that has the potential to be a really, really, really good value. Um, But then, you know, identifying somebody like Tariq Carpenter and saying, okay, this is this is a guy who could be very impactful on special teams. And um, I yeah, I I just I, I do. I agree with you. I really liked what they did all the way around. Um, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packer Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Punnett, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every Friday. And next week we'll be back breaking down more of the off season. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember. Whoa, pack, whoa.